We are back yet again, three old geezers, Ed, Jim, and Steve. Thanks again to those of you who are listening. Thanks to those of you who are sharing. And we are on the downside of a historic vote for Oklahoma City. Downside may not have been the right word. We are on the landslide of a historic vote for Oklahoma City. Let's open our conversation with that today. Well, can I give Ed here great props because he said when we you asked us to uh, give our vote prediction, he predicted 70% for. I thought he was crazy. He nailed it right on the head. So, Ed, you're Nostradamus. Well, you know me, gentlemen. I, I don't like to gloat, but I did nail that one. The timing, you know, I feel like uh, the contestant on The Price is Right who's bidding on the, on the big showcase at the end, and the person who gets the closest without going over gets the showcase. Well, I was so close on this that I would have won both showcases under Price is Right rules. It was a heck of a number you picked. The uh, I, I think the timing couldn't have been better for that vote with the way the Thunder were playing. People were excited about this team. That It's a young core. They can see future success. And as you said last week, Steve, you think this trio of uh, Jalen and Chet and SGA are going to be even better than the Beard and Westbrook and, and K- KD. People want to be a part of that. And I, if this vote had been taken last year, when they were losing, I don't even think Jim would have voted yes on it. I would have voted for it, but I tell you, I wouldn't vote for it because of this team or the team. I voted for it because it's all part of keeping Oklahoma City's growing the way we've grown since Matt was first passed in the early 90s. And we, we had no choice if we wanted to see our city continue to grow. And this is going to be a big part of it. Now, I, I've got to say, th- those of you that don't know Jim and his history, Jim, you were a business reporter. You were a business reporter when Bricktown, downtown Oklahoma City, was a wasteland, right? It was. Actually, I was in sports before I was a business reporter. Down here, we had one hotel. Ed remembers that well. There was there were no there were no place to eat. We would have to. On our lunch hours in the night, in the evening, we'd drive over to Classen Boulevard to find a place because there was nothing in the downtown. It was dead at night, just absolutely dead. And we're recording on a Monday afternoon, by the way. We're recording on a Monday, which this morning, Steve Lackermeyer, I think Steve had the story, reported about this development that's going over in Bricktown, the second largest or second highest tower in the United States. That seems wild to me. It seems over the top. <laughs> but but to the point, you don't dream that dream unless you're seeing momentum in the city. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jim. I mean, it would have been a step back to vote no on this and fail this. And I had I can't begrudge people who voted no on the issue because they just felt it was too much of a, a taxpayer burden too much share by them especially when you look at other cities but and and i had facebook friends and i saw this on facebook people argue well the people who bought this team were oklahoma city residents they were excited about bringing this team here ecstatic they would never sell this team i'm i don't share quite that confidence the way i view it is 
Oklahoma City, being the smallest market in the NBA, we're just going to have to pay above sticker price to ensure we keep a pro team here and keep moving forward. That's the way I viewed it. I agree 100%. Well, that's great analysis, Jim. 100% agreement. Well, you know, you see a lot of people that said this was a fear-based campaign. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways it was. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can look at it. Fear-based or, in my instance, it's to keep Oklahoma City moving forward. So I'm not, to me, it wasn't fear-based in that way. But I'm sure for a big segment of voters, it probably was a fear-based campaign. It, uh, You know, and I said before that uh, I wish ownership were paying more. Uh but I didn't want to risk losing the thunder. You know, I, I, I share the concerns. It would have been nice to have seen a greater investment. But it is not lost on me. And I can't remember. This may have been John Hamm who pointed this out. It was, it was somebody who's very active in the media, um, who produces a pod with a much greater distribution than ours, who made the point that um, the ownership group, they're going to have to make an investment and it's going to be in retaining this young talent we have. There, There is a check to be written because I don't imagine a world where you don't super max Shea after this contract, where you don't extend Chet at the max for his draft slot, and you don't ext extend J-Dub at, at the maximum extent after this draft slot. This big three, I think, is going to be far better than the last big three. And that Denver game was just phenomenal basketball oh that was a tremendous game and even the sacramento game before one of the things i really like about this thunder team and there's a lot to like they never quit playing it doesn't matter what the score is what the situation is in the game they just never quit playing and i don't know why they can't beat sacramento they've now lost eight in a row i know sacramento that game i'm speaking of they went crazy making threes particularly at the end of the third quarter and it looks like the Thunder were buried, but the Thunder kept playing. And in the fourth quarter of that game, they had three or four wide open threes in the last two or three minutes of that game. Or they might have stole that game as well as they stole the Denver game. And the Denver game, SGA, tremendous player, tremendous shot. I also want to give props to the coach. How many coaches... When, when the Thunder got the rebound, SGA got the rebound, nine seconds left in the game, would have called a timeout and wanted to draw something up. And if he did that, he would have let the Nuggets set up a defense, which would have been the defense plan would have been get the ball out of Shea's hand. It was so smart, I think. Shea's got the ball in his hand. You got the, you got the guy you want with the ball. He's got it in his hand. Denver's retreating in defense and let SGA go down and, and get a shot one-on-one, -on -one, and that's what they did. And he's almost impossible to guard one-on-one. -on -one. Jim, did you stay awake to the end of the game? I did not. Oh, no. Did you watch the right replay? I watched I watched the replay of the uh, SGA shot about 20 cool. straight times. Yeah. It, it was – Ed, you're exactly right. The coach made a brilliant call. Go with the flow of the game. My favorite part was Shea's reaction immediately after the made bucket and Denver called timeout. No he, reaction. No reaction. He Number one, he totally expected to make the shot, 
But then this is the NBA. He knew immediately they had to play defense for a second. Um, he he is emerging, um, and we have watched him grow grow up. He is emerging to maybe a top five player in the league. Well, if an MVP MVP vote was taken based on the first twenty five games of the season, SGA might win it. I mean, who who else has played any better and been more important to their team? Maybe uh, what the kid from Minnesota, Anthony Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, SGA is a superstar. Did I say that uh, for the first half of all the games I've seen? I go back and forth, you know, SGA chat, but I'd like to make a pitch for J-Dub being uh, right up there, an all-star caliber player. I mean, he really is. He He's not afraid. He'll take it to the hoop on anyone. And, uh, I mean, he, he's – Yeah, you're I, right. I, he, he's tremendous. Yeah. He had an off game in Sacramento, or the Thunder might have won that game as well. And let me give it up to the other Jalen Williams. In the Denver game, his ability to make threes was a mm-hmm. huge factor. Kept him in the game. That's his uh, Arkansas roots. I guess. Holmgren had nine blocks, one block short of a triple-double. Again, he makes a huge difference. I, I, I wish there was a viable stat, and there may be. The guys who do the analytics will know this. But, yeah, he got nine blocks. But how many shots did he alter? How, how many wild layups were attempted simply because of his presence? He, he's a missing piece. Oh, yeah. He, he's he, not missing. He's found. He's here. Yeah, he, he makes a, even more of a difference with this team than I thought he would before the season. And, you know, if this was baseball, someone probably would do that stat because they're so crazy about stats in baseball. Altered shots. Well, we're recording prior to the Memphis game. It's now a game that we go into it thinking we should win. And then we got a couple of really big ball games staring us. Three of them, I think, in fact. Don't we see the Clips, the Lakers, and then the Knicks? And then the Nuggets again, I think. That's, that's right. Nuggets are in that mix. Yeah, it's a tough stretch here. You, you better beat Memphis uh, because, I mean, they don't have – last game, Morant is suspended – Marcus Smart is out tonight. Yeah, hopefully, because you never know with the NBA, sometimes teams play to the level of the competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully win this game and then Thunder West comes to town. People get to see Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and who's the other guy? I'm drawing a blank. The other Thunder player from that team? Russell Westbrook, oh, Paul the beard, George. The beard. The sir, you mean Sir Flops a lot. Yes, that's him. Yeah. Yep, Thunder West in town. Got to take care of that one. And um, I've been watching the ticket prices for the Lakers game. It feels a whole lot like the early part of last decade. By the way, tickets I have some, in demand. I have some breaking news personally. You're going to a game? I'm going to the Lakers game. Are you really? Yes, I am. My uh, young grandson and I, along with my wife, we're all going to the game together. First game for me. I would think that Clippers game would be in demand too. Mm-hmm. Russ's return. Yeah, Russ's return. So three big ball games coming up. Eight, four. And the Clippers are playing real well right now. They finally Seven got it going. Is Russ still coming off the bench? Yes, yes, he is. And he's playing well off the bench. Apparent, uh, judging from the box scores, he's playing about twenty-five minutes a game, uh, shooting well. It's a tough five-game stretch. I'd be happy with three and two. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Um, you know, you can't, um, we, we've talked a lot and we give Jim a hard time about our tanking philosophy. Boy, what's going on in Detroit? What's going on in San Antonio? It's unbelievable. Tanks a lot. It's the way, I've argued before, it's the way teams have to rebuild. If, if you can't buy your way back into contention with free agency. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Detroit, a big, big market like Detroit, they have to tank. Houston, if you want to move up in the draft choice. I can see San Antonio having that. Well, San Antonio has a much richer history in the NBA than Detroit does. So it's just the NBA has built a system (laughs) that this is what teams do. They don't mind it. I mean, you know, the wink at the Who doesn't mind it? The NBA. Oh, Mm -hmm. I thought you meant Detroit fans, but... That's, I forget, the fans don't matter. We're going to revisit this. Well, hey, the, the fans clearly don't matter to Bally streaming because they cannot keep a game on the air. Well, fortunately, I still have DirecTV, so I have not missed a beat with Thunder basketball. All right, we'll, we'll talk about Bally's a little bit later. One, uh, one other quick thing about the Thunder before we move on. Yep. Such a good road tip. For their age, yes. Well, good road team yeah. for anybody. That's, their record wise, but, but, but they don't melt. They they go in and, and they've beaten some good teams on the road. It's not like they're just beating the has-beens. A very mature team for being so young. Mm-hmm. They know what they want to do. I mean, they've been through it, done it so many times. They just seem to have a real good grasp of things. And I can't miss saying this, Ed. You know why they have a grasp of things? Because we practice player development with intentionality. I love, I love player your, development. I love this euphemism that I've heard for three <laughs> plus years. Player development. It's playing for the future, Jim. All teams got to make a decision at some point. Are we playing for the present for now? Or are we playing for the future? I, I, I make a comparison to OU football next year going in the SEC. They're going to have Jackson Arnold, a new quarterback, and people. Well, Dylan Dylan Gabriel, he should have stayed, been their quarterback. Well, they would have been a better team probably next season with Dylan Gabriel as their quarterback, but they wouldn't be a better team in 25 and 26. Will OU fans stand for that? We'll see. Um, Yeah, I I always thought that you guys were win now. Well, do you see Joe Masato's column in the Oklahoma today? He's already predicting a, a, a... one loss for the Sooners next year, eight and four in the inaugural year in the SEC. Probably about right. It could be it could be a rough uh, first year because not only you got a new quarterback, you're going to have a new offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think a lot about um, for the two teams adjusting to the SEC, the the fan mindset of ten and two being an excellent year. Whereas right now, undefeated is the equates to excellence. But the SEC is a bear. I mean, it is it is a tough, tough schedule. And, you know, going to Starkville and listening to those cowbells, that'll never be an easy win. Oh no. The only the only fallback on that is they're going to a twelve team playoff. Yeah. If you if you go nine and three, I mean the SEC is probably going to get three teams at least in a twelve team yep. playoff. Yeah. So nine and three may get you a chance to play for a championship. Where before it was like you had to go eleven and one to have any chance at all. Right. You know, I I would be remiss. We're talking about OU football because I think this is one of the most under the radar stories uh, with Thunder hoops and bowl season, all that. Porter Moser is doing one heck of a job in Norman. 
Yeah, he's finally got some talent. They are so much more athletic this year than they have been in his first two years. The last I saw, they were 8-0. At, what's their record today? It, no losses. I know that they I haven't lost yet. I think it's 9-0, maybe even 10-0. Is it tonight where they play North Carolina on the road? They got a game coming up with them, two undefeated teams. I think North Carolina is rated 9 and OU is rated 11. They win that game on the road, and you're, they're going to be ranked in the top 10 for sure. I think they made it in today's poll. Yeah. I, th- I think they got there. But he's he's doing a heck of a job. I was in Stillwater yesterday and watched uh, Mike Boynton's squad. Um, first of all, the coach has some guys. He has some guys who can play. We're going to find out how good of a coach he is because if he doesn't get them turned around through Big 12 play, it's not going to be about the players. It's going to be about his ability to organize those players. Speaking of OSU and OU, OU's played Arkansas in basketball mm-hmm. last, I don't know, four years mm-hmm. at the BOK in Tulsa. Well, Arkansas is now going to be a conference game. They're going to, they're going to play home and home. Why can't OU and OSU play at the BOK in Tulsa every year? That seems like a great fit. Or alternate. Be okay one year, come to Paycom or whatever True. the heck it is the next year and play a neutral site game. And did you see on football, Oregon and Oregon State have scheduled a series between each other. Mm-hmm. Now, why can't Oklahoma and Oklahoma State do that, follow that lead? Well, when Oregon State only has one conference opponent, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy I to put they together. Were going to be Mountain West. They they are not Mountain West. They have a scheduling agreement with the Mountain West. We've got to stay to the facts, Jim. Okay. All right, you got it. Then, what conference do they belong to? They're still in the Pac-12. It's a two-team. two-team con- it's a two-team conference because because Oregon State and Washington State own all of the assets of the conference, so, so they can't they disband. Play, so when they play each other, it's for the championship. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, oh, it man. is. Coming down to it, maybe. Are they it still going to have a championship game after that between the two uh, teams? I think that's their scheduling alliance. I think they've got all of that worked out. All right, I got a question um, as we prepare to wrap up. I know Ed's got something he wants to close us with, but my question of the day is um, favorite concession item when you go to a sporting event? What's your go-to item? Well, my go-to item is Whataburger after the game because the concession prices are so high. But if I'm at the game, here's what I would get most of the time. A brat with grilled peppers and onions. Solid. Lots of mustard. Solid choice. You just stole my you just stole my uh, go-to. Although at the Thunder game, uh, if we get there early and we haven't eaten, sometimes we go around to the uh, sweet level restaurant mm-hmm. that has the barbecue and mm-hmm. eat their barbecue. It's really good. And then if I but if I'm just sitting in the seat, I like the big old tub. Of popcorn. Can't go wrong with popcorn. Love going to games in Stillwater. They serve 1890 beer by Iron Monk, which is one of my favorites, so that's always nice. Every game, a bag of peanuts. Don't care if it's football. Don't care if it's baseball. Don't care if it's basketball. Salted and roasted peanuts are the thing. In the shell. In the shell. You got you to gotta do the work to get it. Hey, we got to come back next week, and we have to talk about the Oklahoma City Baseball Club. Yes, well, uh, I don't care much for that title, frankly. Well, it's only one year. 
Why can't they just stay the Dodgers for one season? You get a whole season of merch for uh, Oklahoma City Baseball yeah. Club. Who's going to buy Oklahoma City and... Baseball Club merchandise? Well, I might buy something. Jim's already know. placed his order. He knows what he's I, getting. I Actually, I'm going to get one of those 405 caps. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of the 405 look. Well, that that's not a baseball not club a... merch. They've been selling that for years. He's wearing an 89ers cap, by the way, while we mm-hmm. do this podcast. I got that at the team store the last week of the season. Well, if we're going to talk about next week, I guess I shouldn't get into it. But are they doing this to sell merchandise? A new? No, I, I think it's all about local branding. To sell merchandise? It's all about local branding. They need an identity with the community, Ed. They need an okay. identity. We'll come back to that next week. Um, gentlemen, it's the holidays. Uh, we'll try to have one more podcast up before actual Christmas Day. But uh, it is a season. Uh, to have some good reflections and some good stories. So, Ed, I think you you ran across something this week that you kind of wanted to share. I did. I went to a memorial service last week for a man named Greg Duffy. He was the state wildlife director for years. He was there when I started covering the outdoors beat for the Oklahoma in 2003, retired in 2009, and he passed away recently. Several people were telling stories about Greg at the memorial service. And there was one told by his brother-in-law that I, it just keeps sticking with me. Uh, his brother-in-law is in Chicago and he's lost. And this is probably before Google Maps and cell phones and stuff. He had an address and he stops at a store, like a convenience store, I think, goes in and tells the clerk, hey, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma City. I don't know these neighborhoods. I have an address, can you help me find this place? Well, the clerk couldn't help him, but a customer in the store taps on his shoulder. Says, I've been meaning to help someone from Oklahoma City. I need to pay it forward. Make a long story short, this stranger in Chicago goes out of his way to help Greg's brother-in-law find where he needs to be. And Greg's brother-in-law asks him, he says, well, why are you doing this? And the man says, I was in Oklahoma City, driving through Oklahoma City a few years ago with my wife and my young daughter. I had a flat. I'm trying to change it on the side of the road. Cars are just zooming by and a vehicle pulls up behind me and a man gets out. He says, looks like you could need some help. The man helps him change the spare tire, even escorts him to a place where he can get the flat fixed so he doesn't have to drive back to Chicago on the spare. And I believe even stayed with him while the flat is being fixed and then they had lunch together. And the man from Chicago says, I wanted to pay this man, offered to pay him. He wouldn't take any money. He said, just repay my act of kindness with, you know, another act of kindness down the road. Just pay it forward. And so Greg's brother-in-law then asked him, he says, well, do you remember the name of this man in Oklahoma City who helped you? And he says, yeah, his name was Greg Duffy. So, what are the odds of something like that happen? And the moral of the story is, be kind to people because you never know where that might lead. Solid words to close on, Ed. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. This is the Three Old Geezers signing off. Merry Christmas. Oh.